6, verse number 20. It is also good to see Sister Westbury. We love the Westberries. I know you do too. You've known them a lot longer, but we've known them since 2011 when we served on the district youth committee, and we are so thankful for what God is doing in South Carolina. Amen. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and and holy, and observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it to thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charge of the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry. Watch this. Yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. He made a deal. And immediately the king sent an executioner, commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head at a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. There was a dancer, and there was a deal. So tonight I preach what the Holy Ghost laid in my heart, a deal with the dancer. A deal with the dancer. Father, we thank you for your word and your spirit. I believe, Lord, it's a timely word. I believe that it's for someone in this house tonight. I pray, oh God, that you would help us hear the word of the Lord and hear what the Spirit would say unto the church. My God, that you would move in this place in a special and a powerful way. Thank you for what you're going to do. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord all over the building right now? Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you as you're being seated. A deal with the dancer. Everyone likes to think that they got a good deal. There's something about the feeling of just driving away thinking that you got the better part of that deal. No one takes pleasure in getting the short end of the stick. Every day we're bombarded with offers, all of which paint a beautiful picture for the buyer. Rebates, returns, and rewards. To give you an example, let's just consider the lottery. Everybody wants to put in $5 and get $500 million. That's a deal. Everybody wants to get that deal. According to one statistic, the chances of an individual winning the lottery is one in 175 million. 
Now, I'm not a good mathematician. That's not good odds. And contrary to what some people would think, the odds do not change with the amount. You've got the same chance if it's one billion as you did if it was one million. A higher jackpot does not mean a higher chance. Yet, you know what happens? When that number starts going up, people start shelling it out. I'll spend $20. Boy, and I'll get that jackpot. I'll give a little, but I'll get a lot. Everybody wants a deal. A deal is an agreement between two or more parties regarding the sale or the exchange of goods or services. We could call it a contract. We could call it a covenant. You could call it a deal. Whatever you call it, it is an agreement that you make. And we've all had good deals. And if we're all honest, we've all made some bad deals. You got to learn through those bad deals. And hopefully there's less of the bad and more of the good. I remember when I was a kid, trading cards, whether it be baseball or basketball, you know, that was just the big thing. And I would tell my mom how valuable things were. This is my mom, she would tell me this about everything. She'd say, son, something's only as valuable as someone's willing to pay the money for it. It's a piece of paper. That's all a trading card is. It's a piece of paper. And I had this Magic Johnson. In fact, it was it was before it was Magic. It was Irvin Johnson. It was rare. But I didn't watch a lot of basketball. So to me, it was just a card. I will never, I'm telling you, it is as vivid as if I was right there. The kid's name was Dale. And I'm not going to say his last name because he may be watching. And he gave me a dollar and a metal rhinoceros pencil sharpener. I'm telling you. I mean, I gave that card up like lightning. I wanted that pencil sharpener. And I remember going home and and showing my dad. I mean, I thought I made a deal. And my dad was furious, not at me, but because I was taken advantage of by somebody who knew the value of what I had. I didn't know what I had. It It was just a card. After my dad explained it to me, I might could pay off this this, uh, this life center with the value of that card today? Probably not, but I'm just being facetious. I didn't know the value of it. And I walked away thinking I got a good deal. But really, now that I'm older, looking back, I got a stinker. It was rough. We've all made good deals. And we've all made bad deals. We rejoice in the good ones. And we, and, and we regret the bad ones. Nonetheless, life is filled with those types of deals. And for the next few moments, I want to talk about the difference between the bad deal and the good deal. More specifically, I want to preach about making a deal with 
the dancer. You see, Herod feared John. Herod knew that he was a just and a holy man. Herod knew that he was a man of God. He understood there was something special about John. He understood uh, that God used him. And and he understood there was, uh, I can use the word anointing upon John. Uh, Yet the Bible said when a convenient day was come, Herod made supper. Many people today are caught in the crosshairs, not when they're on the mountaintop. Not when they're shouting on the Sunday night service, but they're caught in the crosshairs of the enemy when it is convenient. You're vulnerable in different seasons of life. Notice with me that when Jesus went to the wilderness, the enemy did not come on the first day of the fast. He didn't show up on day number 20. Or let me use day number 13 because that's the day that we're on. You know when the enemy showed up? He showed up at the end of day number 40. When Jesus was at his weakest. When Jesus was vulnerable. And that's when the enemy lurks in the shadows in your own life. Not when you're walking on that spiritual high. But he waits until you've you've relaxed in the convenient stages of life. When you've just been lulled in the stages of comfort and the enemy steps in. You see, Herodias' daughter came in and danced before Herod. But what Herod did not know was she was playing a game of let's make a deal. She enticed him. She lured him. And she attracted him. And that's what the enemy does is he puts things in the windows of life and he tries to entice us and he tries to attract us and he tries to seduce us and to lure us because we're vulnerable and because we're not on guard. And Herod looked at that woman and said, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Made a deal with the dancer. He said, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. That's a lot. Herod had a lot of stuff. Had a lot of power. He had people. He had prestige. He had had popularity. And he said, I'll give you up to half of everything I own. That's a deal. He made a deal with that dancer. And she ran out. And she asked her mama because John told Herod he was wrong for messing with that woman. And that woman told her her daughter, I want you to go ask for the head of John the Baptist. She runs back into there and tells Herod, this is what I want. And the Bible says that the king was exceeding sorry. He didn't want to harm John. He knew the hand of God was on John's life. He, uh, the Bible already talks about what he knew John was. He had no desire to harm John. Watch. But the Bible says for his oath's sake. He made a deal with a dancer. You see, there comes a point when your deal will supersede your desire. Oh, preacher, you don't understand. Things aren't that bad. Preacher, you understand. I, I can handle it if I get too far out there in it. 
There comes a point you keep making that deal with the dancer when the deal will be stronger than your desire to stay out of it. Herod didn't want to harm John, but he made a deal. And because he made a deal, he had to follow through with that deal. Hear me tonight. I may be preaching to somebody who in the secret corridors of your own life, the dancer has been enticing you. Things of this world has been enticing you. Things that you think, oh, I can handle this. Nobody can see this. I'm strong enough, hear me, in the Holy Ghost right now, ma'am or sir. You keep making that deal. And sooner or later, you gotta pay the dancer. Sooner or later, you gotta cash in on that deal that you made. Don't you think you're strong enough to withstand it? Don't you think you're strong enough to to keep it at bay? See, Samson thought, oh, I, I can handle Delilah. Yeah, I got this. God's moved on me many times in the past. I can handle this. But every time he revealed the source of his strength, He revealed where it was. He got a little bit closer to the truth. Till finally he said, you know what? You shaved my seven locks. He made a deal with the dancer. And when the Bible says the Philistines came, that he got up just like he always did. Just like the Spirit of God always came upon him. He expected it to happen again. But it wasn't there. You know what? You keep running around doing things that you know you shouldn't do. There's going to come a day you don't know when your next breath is going to be. You don't know when you got to pay the dancer. But you keep making that deal sooner or later. You got to pay the dancer. See, if you're counting on your desire to sustain you, you may fall prey faster than you think. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages or the result of the deal is death. Death. Now you can't get any plainer than that. You keep living in sin, you will die spiritually. Death is not the absence of breath. It's the absence of God's presence in your life. When death was introduced from the Garden of Eden, Death was introduced when the Spirit of God departed from man. So that's why the Bible says, He that liveth and believeth on me shall never die. It's because if you got the Holy Ghost, you got the presence of God in you, you may cease breathing, but you won't cease being because you just transition from one dimension to the next in glory. Judas. Judas made a deal. He made a deal that he later regretted. Because after he denied or turned in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says he went and threw the money back in the, back at him. I don't want your money. Too late, Judas. You made a deal. You made a deal. And the Bible says he went and took his own life, and they call it the field of blood. They wouldn't even use that money because it was called blood money. Make a deal. When you make a deal with the dancer, You're not strong enough to stop it. 
in your flesh. You're not strong enough. And maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you've been entertaining the dancer. Maybe you've been letting ungodly things float around in your life. Maybe you've been seduced by that which is not of God. Maybe you're walking down a road that leads to destruction. I'm not here tonight to preach doom and gloom. I'm here tonight to tell you that there is something available here tonight that can break the consequences of the deal. It's not by you. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that can make you whiter than snow. Jesus said, I've come to preach deliverance to the captives. The Bible says that the adversary walks about as a roaring lion. Remember last week I told you about similes? Similes are things that usually are accompanied by the words like or as. But they're not what they actually are describing. And the Bible says that he walks about as a roaring lion. It's, 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 it's a character portrayal. He is not a roaring lion. He's acting as a roaring lion. I read a story of a lady named Bonnie Martin. Years ago, she took a missions trip to South Africa. On the last day, she went on a safari, and she came within two feet of a lion. The only thing separating her from that lion was a chain-link fence. Playfully, she looked at the lion and said, Hey, kitty, kitty. To her dismay, the lion lunged towards that fence and roared ferociously. She said, it scared me to my core. Only thing, no glass, just a chain link fence. Bonnie learned from her guide that a roar is meant to communicate dominance. And the only thing that will silence their roar is the roar of a more powerful lion. And Bonnie felt that the Lord was speaking to her And this is what she said, that the Lord impressed her. Bonnie, do you see that fence? That fence is the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. Satan may roar at you, but he cannot touch you. He is the one in the cage. You are the one that is free. But you have been living your life like you are in the cage. And he that is the one that is free. Hear me tonight, ma'am or sir. The only thing that will, will dominate that lion is the roar of another lion. And my Bible says that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of the tribe of praise. And when we begin to open our mouth and to praise and magnify the Lord in the spirit world, there's a roar that goes forth. And it's a roar of dominance. It's a roar of a roar of authority. We ought to take a moment right now and open our mouth and just magnify the Lord. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're telling the devil, no deal, no deal, no deal. Come on, I've got the blood of Jesus. He that had set the Son had set free is free indeed. There's been times
That's the only thing I knew to say is open my mouth and say hallelujah. What are you doing, preacher? I'm letting the devil hear my roar. I'm letting the devil hear that I've got authority in the Holy Ghost. Shout with a voice of triumph. Let me tell you, friend. When you make up in your mind, I've had enough of this misery. I've had enough of this pain. I've had enough of this heartache. You can stop watching the dancer and you become the dancer. Go with me now to 2 Samuel chapter 6. You know the story very well. David comes back with the Ark of the Covenant. And every six paces, he stops and he dances before the Lord. It took a while to get to the city of David because true dancers don't look at time. True worshipers don't watch the clock. All they know is I'm in the presence of the Lord and I've got a reason to rejoice. I've got a reason to worship. I've got a reason to dance. He comes back and his own wife, Bible says, watches through a window. She ridicules. She makes fun of him. She talks about how ludicrous it was for the king to worship in front of all of his people. You know what David said? It was before the Lord. And if this bothers you, I'll get more vile than this because I'm only dancing to the beat of one drum. I'm only worshiping for the approval of one Savior and I don't care what you think about me. I'm here to worship. I'm here to dance. I'm here to magnify the Lord. Watch this. You gotta watch this. God showed me this this afternoon and blew my mind, which is just a small explosion. But still, it was big for me. That's 2 Samuel 6. Go to the very next chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 7. You know what happens? God makes a deal with the dancer. Very next chapter. You start reading. You get to verse number eight. He says, I took you from the sheep coat and I made you a ruler. I'm gonna tell you, this is the deal God makes. I'll take a dancer and I'll bring him from nothing and I'll make him something. You know what happens when you become a dancer? God takes you from all of your past. He takes you from all of your junk. He takes you from all of your shame and all of your embarrassment and all of your baggage and he puts it under the blood of Jesus and he says, now I'm going to make you a ruler. Now I'm going to make you a priest. Now I'm going to make you a peculiar people. That's what he does for the dancer. Watch this, keep going, keep going. Verse number nine, I was with you wherever you went and I've cut off all of your enemies. That's the deal that he's going to make with the dancer. Lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the earth. How many people can testify tonight that when I was at my lowest point and I thought nobody was with me, God was with me. God was with me. God was with me. I'm talking about the deal God makes with a dancer. Then he says, I was, I was, in verse 10, I'll appoint a place for Israel and I'll plant them and they will have a place of their own. Psalm 1 and 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, 
nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Watch this, verse number three. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God says, I'm going to plan them. Can I preach to people who once went through life and you were unstable? You may not admit it, but you used up friends, you used up family, and you used up finances. You were unstable. But when you came to God and God filled you with the Holy Ghost, he said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to plant you right by a river, a river of life that flows. And since you came to God and you become a dancer, God says, I'm going to give you some stability. I'm going to give you a reason to rejoice. God planted your feet. If you ought to dance for anything, you ought to dance that God turned your life around when you were headed in the wrong direction. That God gave you a reason to wake up every morning when you didn't have a reason. That God put some finances. Who am I? preaching to tonight. God put finances when there were no finances. All right, watch this. Verse number 15. God seals the deal. And this is what he says. I'm talking about a deal with the dancer. He said, but my mercy shall not depart from him. Who's him? Him is the dancer. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. You know what? The, God makes a covenant. He makes a deal with the dancer. And he says, the dancers will be recipients of mercy. I don't know about you, but when I think of everything God has done in my life, I think about how good God's been when I have not been good to Him. When I think about how God has never failed when I have failed. How in the world can I come to church and do nothing? How in the world, when that music's playing, and furthermore, that's a good word, Brother brother Brandon. That's one of them smart words. Well, furthermore, when there is no music playing, God's still worthy for me to praise Him. God's still worthy for me to worship and to dance and to lift up the name of the Lord. I just wonder if somebody in this house can stand with me right now and begin to worship and to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, we're going to make a deal tonight. Either you're going to be a dancer or you're going to watch the dancer. Either you're going to be a worshiper or you're going to watch the worshiper. But as for me, I'm going to worship. I'm going to dance. All right. Here's what we're fixing to do. Worship is only worship if it comes from the heart. And this church knows how to worship. This is a worshiping church. This is a praising church. This is a dancing church. I could have come tonight and focused all night long on people being enticed by the dancer. 
And I could have focused on sin and how it's wrong. But you know that. So we can either choose to watch the dancer or we can choose to be dancers. A deal will be made either way. Either God will make a deal with you or you'll make a deal with the world. You say, preacher, you don't know. I'm so dry in my spirit. Let me, let me tell you. Everybody goes through a season where they don't feel like dancing. You're not bad because you feel like that. I've been there. Everybody in this church has been there, if you're all honest, where everybody around you was dancing and you were trying to figure out if you could. Years ago, they had a tribe of aborigines. And when it was dry, the, the, local, the farmers would call on different tribes to come do rain dances. There was this one tribe, this one leader that had more success than any of the other tribes. It's like every time they would dance, it would rain. And, and all, the, all the farmers were so puzzled. How, how, come, how come only these people? It rains when they, they dance all the time. So they went and asked the tribe leader. They said, why do you have so much success with rain dances? All these other tribes, it don't work. But when you get up there and you dance, it always rains. He said, the answer is quite simple. We just dance until it rains. Let me tell you, friend, when you're in that season of life, it may take you longer than three minutes to get a breakthrough. But if you got up, made up in your mind, God, I'm tired of being dry in my spirit. I'm tired of leaving church the same way that I came. And I'm going to dance until it rains. Then I got a feeling you're going to walk out of this place tonight and God's going to open up the windows of heaven and God's going to pour it all over you tonight. I wonder if there's anybody want to step out right now and say, preacher, I'm getting out of this aisle. I'm coming up to that front and we're going to worship you.